On today's episode of A Story in a Chat, we'll be exploring how some societies and cultures make you think that showing your emotions is bad and why you should actually ignore that. It's going to be a good one, so settle in and happy listening. and welcome to A Story in a Chat, the podcast, where you will hear mine and other perspectives on topics that are important to all of us. I'm your host, Aisha Iqbal, and I wholeheartedly believe that conversations can bring people together in the most beautiful ways, which is why I've created this space to do just that. I'll always start by sharing stories from my life and perspective, then we'll be joined by other folks from various backgrounds and experiences to have conversations through which they can share their unique perspective as well. This beautiful sharing of stories and experiences is fundamental to our human existence and helps us continue to evolve in a meaningful way. So let's get started, shall we? She'd been given a tongue lashing from the clients earlier that morning for a mistake that she should have caught. Being the team lead, it was her job to either catch the mistake before it had been made or be accountable for it once it was all said and done. At that time, our office employed an open workspace design, so everyone saw her bawling at her desk. There were no cubicle walls or closed office doors to shield us from the sounds of her heart-wrenching sobs or her from my disgusted glares. We worked on the same team and were peers, but didn't interact with each other much. Frankly, I didn't want to because I didn't like her. Why? Well, when I look back now, I'm not sure why I didn't like her. All I knew about her was that she was white, the mother of a small boy, and our boss's favorite. I'd also decided that I was better at our job than her. Back then, I guess those reasons were enough for me to not like her. I recall telling my coworker, she should go home and do this. At least go into the bathroom for God's sake. She's making the rest of us women look bad. The rest of us women, when I really meant me. My work ethic didn't allow me to show emotions at work, not openly at least, and definitely not tears. I was okay with anger. I saw anger as a tool to gain power. Men did it, so why shouldn't I? That was before I'd fully grasped that an angry woman is seen as an unstable bitch, while an angry man carries the authority of a boss. Silly, silly me. So instead of asking questions like, Is she okay? Did something happen outside of work that made things tough for her today? Does she need someone to talk to? Instead of asking those questions, I was thinking, she just wants attention. She's ducking the fact that she messed up. She's a bigger fraud than I am. Lately, I've been thinking about my journey of vulnerability how years ago I would suppress my own emotions, especially those that would lead to responses like crying because I thought they showed me as being weak. To now, how I've proudly claimed the motto, I'm fragile, please handle me with care. How did I get here? I'm not really sure. Maybe I grew up some. Maybe I started speaking openly to more people outside of my friends and family circle and realized that I wasn't alone. Maybe it's because I became a mother to a daughter and realized that the cycle of self-repression had to end somewhere. The big aha moment for me came after years of hard inner work when I realized that all the inadequacies I pointed out in the people around me 
were in fact those that I felt about myself or things that I actually wanted for myself but didn't have. Today, I'll be speaking with Tom English about recognizing and accepting the power that lies in allowing our emotional selves to come through. Based in the UK, Tom is a founder of Three Stewardships, which is not just another coaching company. He mentors those who want to take control of their lives, connect with their purpose, and achieve their version of sustainable success. He helps people escape the hedonism trap, which is a pursuit of pleasure as an end in itself that can lead to a life of chaos, disconnection, and even despair. I reached out to Tom after reading a post he'd written on LinkedIn about why it's okay to cry. This caught my attention because I've grown up seeing men hold back their emotions because they've been raised to see crying as weakness and only something women folk do. So of course, I had to have a chat with him to hear more about his perspective on this. Does somebody become a weenie when they cry? No, <laughs> no, not at all, not at all. And that's one of the points I made in the blog. I have to confess that I didn't actually want to write that particular post. I didn't want to write that, that blog. My intuition, again, I'm a very spiritual person. My intuition was going crazy saying, you need to write this post, you need to write this post. And I think out of all of my LinkedIn articles, it's, it's one of the ones that's had the least attention. But I had this feeling that I needed to write the post because it, it wasn't about marketing my business or my personal brand. It was because somebody needed to read it and somebody needed to get the message that for men, it is okay to cry. One of the points that I put in the article, which I think is really important, is that crying is not synonymous with breaking. We have this assumption, and it's a false assumption, that when somebody breaks down in tears, that they break down, that they are broken. And I don't believe that whatsoever. Because I'm a very emotional person. I'm very much in touch with, with how I'm feeling, happiness, sadness, everything else. And, and sometimes I, I cry more out of joy than out of anything else. Right. And that's okay too. And I've always been a very expressive person and not willing to suppress those emotions because of societal expectations. I live in the UK and we have that thing about the British stiff upper lip. And this right. ultimate sign of stoicism and nobility in not showing emotion, even in difficult times. But I think it's a false dichotomy to say that if you show emotion, then you're being weak in difficult times. Because for me, the way it works for me is that when I truly embrace who I am and how I feel, then it's cathartic in the sense that I give myself psychological air. I tell myself by embracing the emotion and allowing myself to cry. I'm not willfully trying to cry per se, but if that's how I feel and I do so, then I give myself permission to feel that way. It's okay to feel like this. And now that I do feel like this, what does it mean? What does this feeling mean? And where are we going to go from here? What's the plan? So by crying in the particular instance that I mentioned in the blog, it was very, very useful because it was light. It gave me light. It gave me clarity and it gave me truth about my feelings on the situation. And then it gave me an opportunity to reframe aspects of that situation as well, and then plan to move forward as well, to think about the things that 
that myself and my family can control. And so it was really, really important for me to go through that process in order to build a solid foundation at what is a very difficult time. I don't feel that sadness that I felt now because I addressed it. I haven't suppressed it. So I'm not carrying it around with me. If, if, I had, if I kept suppressing how I was feeling, it would lead to other things. It would lead to feelings of anxiety. It would lead to feelings of depression, perhaps. And it wouldn't be good. And there's some great work that people have been doing in recent years that talks about, I'm thinking of people like Gabor Mate, who have been doing work on the impact of suppression, what it does to us when we suppress things, when we suppress our emotions. And it isn't just a psychological thing. It isn't just about our mental health. It's also physiological as well. This sort of suppression has a physiological impact. So it's literally bad for your health in a physical sense if you repress your emotions consistently. And maybe I'm a little bit of a rebel, maybe I'm a little bit different, but I refuse <laughs> to jeopardize my health because of those social mores, which frankly just aren't healthy. Tom, were you always this open about recognizing and experiencing your emotions growing up? Did your family or the environment that you in support this type of behavior or this recognition? I would say yes and no. I was just born differently to anyone else, to the rest of my family. And so they had to figure out how I was and I had to figure out how I was and how we all interact with each other. And I think to start with, being so expressive and so emotional, it was a bit like, okay, so he's saying exactly how he feels. Mm -hmm. And so for me, my part of my personal journey, obviously when you grow up and you're younger and you say exactly how you feel, it's not always appropriate. So right. you have to learn how to, how to say, to, to express yourself, not suppress the emotion, but to express it in a way which is appropriate to the situation so that you don't cause any hurt or mistrust with other people. Because I think fundamentally, it's important in, in building trust with other people to show how you feel. Because now I feel, I feel one, of my, one of my skills, by day I, I work in sales. Mm -hmm. I have done for quite a few years. And I would say one of my strengths in sales is building trust with people quickly. And I believe the way that I'm able to do that is because I speak very candidly and very openly with people. I don't have a hidden agenda. I'm very candid, I'm very open, I'm very interested in other people and in terms of what their needs are and if I can meet those needs, if I can genuinely help people and if I can and we can work together, then, then we'll work together and, and it's, it's very clear, it's very above board but it's, it's well expressed. So I think the sooner we start to express ourselves how we're feeling, the sooner we can start to refine the manner in which we express our feelings because that's a different kettle of fish so to speak it's very good to be expressive and to express ourselves but how do we do it how do we be true to ourselves and also be true to the needs of the situation and the needs of others so it's not just about me i'm not just dumping emotionally on other people right. i'm also being empathic i'm being self-aware both self-aware of, of my own needs of the environment that i'm in and then also being empathic to what other people need and what contribution that I can make. And, and that, takes, that takes years of practice. That does take a lot of, a lot of practice in mm -hmm. order to do that. But I will go with candor every time. Do you think all men are capable of this? 
And I keep going back to gender because the underlying foundation of this conversation is around the premise that we often hear in many cultures that women do will not make good leaders because they're too emotional. Mm. And so it is taking that statement and then really digging into that, right? Because yeah. it's, um, you and I both agree that being expressive, showing our emotions, crying even, it's not a sign of weakness. I love that you said that. It does not mean that you are broken. You were speaking about it as if it's sort of a signal that you are getting from your inner being, from your body, that, hey, mm-hmm. there, there's something here. Let's, let's explore this a little bit more. I totally believe that. My emotions yeah. serve me as signals. So when we think of leadership, of management, part of those, those traits are to recognize signals, right? Mm-hmm. To recognize areas that need more exploration. Yeah. And maybe leadership is thought to, we need to look at those things in the outer space, like the people that we are managing, the environment that we are leading in versus let's look at our internal signals first and then carry that out into our leadership or management style. So that's how I see it. But whenever I've gotten into conversations about women, emotional beings, and the fact that it's more accepted for women to to be emotional, but even then there's something there. Why is it? Is it because the starting assumption is that, oh, we are the weaker sex, we are the weaker gender, so that is why it's more accepted to see us exhibiting signs of weakness like crying so that's why i keep i keep bringing the gender part of it into the conversation yeah interesting so so to the first question in terms of do i think that that all men are capable of this yes absolutely my own mentor who he was actually the guy who helped me to find my way out of the, the hedonism trap to start with i remember the first time i saw him cry and he to me still and I know this isn't true, but to me, he is invincible. I see him as probably the strongest person that I know in terms of what he's been through in his life and what he's overcome. And he's a legend. Why was it important for you to say that you know it's not true, that he's invincible? I know that he's not invincible, but I have this perception of him that he is because he's such a powerful person. He's such a powerful individual spiritually. But yet I've seen him cry about things that, that matter to him. And when he's recollected on, on emotional situations in his life and experiences. And I think to myself, the people I really admire and look up to as role models, I've seen them cry. And they weren't afraid to cry. Because you could look at it, you could flip it on its head. You could say that people are scared to cry. Or people are scared to show their emotions. Now, is that if if you're talking about strength or weakness, which is it? Because if people are not going to cry because they're scared to cry, I don't consider that to be a strength. I consider that to be a matter of weakness. Not not that I'm going around judging people for being weak and not crying. But what I am saying is that when I look at my mentor who did cry in front of me, I see real strength. I, I also find it interesting because I'm a believer in Jesus Christ. And when I read in the Bible... And I read how Jesus wept. Jesus cried. He showed emotion. And he's somebody who's an incredibly influential figure. And he showed that emotion, an incredibly spiritual being. 
right. showed that emotion, that tells me that it's important. Mm -hmm. Because we are emotional creatures, so to speak. And it's really important that we express emotion to convey a message. Because logic isn't enough. Logic just simply is not enough to communicate the gravity of something. If you want to get somebody to believe what you're saying, or to understand the gravity of a situation or a task that somebody's been given to do, there has to be emotion there. If there's no emotion there, where's the buying? Who, who's listening? There has to be the buying. So I think it's very unfortunate that that we have these cultural assumptions that women are, are, are too emotional and that there are all these other things at play about emotion being a bad thing and keep emotion out of the workplace. I completely disagree with that. I think it's essential that emotion is in the workplace to connect with each other more authentically and more openly. Let's do away with passive aggression, for example. Let's, let's throw passive aggression in the bin and let's speak with each other respectfully, openly and clearly. Because if we do that, then we don't need to go away and chunter about people and gossip about people behind mm. their backs. We can be very open, we can be very cordial, we can register our concerns or our issues and we can do so in a way that is sufficiently moderated because again i think this this whole thing about emotion it's not about suppressing the emotion it's about ensuring that the emotion is appropriate to the occasion and that, that takes real skill that's right if you don't practice that you will never develop that so again the sooner we start to do this the sooner we can get better at it and communicate with each other and connect with each other more effectively. And this takes me back to your comment about if you are afraid of showing your emotion, you see that as a weakness. And I, I, I see your point there because it's, the question is, what's the motivation behind this action, right? Mm -hmm. So you are not showing your emotion because you are coming from a place of fear. And the fear is, it could be many things like judgment. How will people view me? And yeah. how will people judge me? So what are we taking into account making that decision versus strength in, in what you're saying, practicing empathy. So mm -hmm. not just dumping your emotions, but yeah. being wary of kind of aware of your surroundings and the people and then gauging how much, how little to share. Yeah. Uh, another question is how did, how did being emotional or crying, things like that. How did that get a bad rap? When did it become almost taboo for men to be expressive and emotional? It's a good question. I think there are a lot of books that get circulated in, in the business world, The Art of War and things like that, that, that have some great wisdom in them. There's no question about that. And Machiavelli's The Prince and things like that. And right. these things have an inherent zero-sum mentality behind them because they're talking about Machiavelli is, is right well he was writing about statecraft for the Borgias I, I believe he wrote The Prince and, and gave it to Cesare Borgia so he's writing about statecraft he's writing about defending against enemies that's inherently zero-sum Sun Tzu the art of war that's about war w with war there's, there's a winner and there's a loser and you certainly mm. don't want to be the loser so I believe that there's, that there's a lot culturally that has taught us, whether direct, whether you've read The Art of War or not, you will have been taught by people 
or mentored by people who have and who've right. taken and ingested that that advice and applied it to all sorts of different areas of, of their life, whether consciously or subconsciously. So I think these ideas have been around for a long time. And, and I believe it's about concealing weakness because if you know if somebody's crying about something then clearly they care about it right you found right. okay that, that's a hot spot for him or for her and right. so people don't necessarily want to show what those things are because they, they can be manipulated and i think it comes down to trust uh, i talk a lot about trust to people especially in relation to relationships and mm -hmm. it comes down to intention and people's intentions what what are your intentions and the, the old saying, say what you mean and mean what you say. And I make great efforts to, to do that with people on, on every level so that everybody knows where I stand on things appropriately. And it saves so much time because when we trust each other, then we can just go ahead and get things done. We're not, we're not watching our back and looking around and thinking, oh, can I really be myself in this situation because they might use this information against me. We right. can just get on and, and do the work that needs to be done. Leverage is why we yeah. we hide our vulnerabilities right essentially yeah. so do you think you as the expressive emotional being that you are you opened it up, to, up opened up to it recognized it embrace it thrive in it mm -hmm. you as that person do you think you could thrive in an environment where you are surrounded by people who are not there who are looking for the next point of leverage over the other person Hmm, I'll have to be careful how I answer this question. I think so, yes. I think so, yes. I, I don't think the answer would always have been yes to that question. I think I've had to develop that over time and I've had to find greater internal strength. And it's been a process for me to, to understand myself, understand who I am, mm -hmm. my, my identity at uh, an essential level in terms of my essence, in terms of who I am in relation to my relationship with God and the work that I have to do on this earth. I'm, I'm a very strong believer in that. And I feel as though the more that I've honed in on that and really got to grips with who I am and why I am how I am in terms of the work that I've got to do, looking at it from, from that point of view, the more impervious I am to those external factors, i.e. what other people are doing. So I'm much more adept at navigating very different environments now than when I was just coming out of university, for example. So it matters much less to me now what sort of environment I am in than it would have done before. I do get a good sense of whether I can trust people. And like I say, trust is absolutely paramount for me. It's very, it's, it's kind of binary. <laughs> it's you either trust someone or you don't. And I think that's right. I think we're all like that. I also think that, that we trust people in, in different contexts as well. So you would trust somebody to, to do something in a certain context. So, so you trust your dentist to do a good job of your teeth, but you might not want him to write your will or something like that, and <laughs> vice versa with, with a lawyer. So it's understanding the context as well in terms of who we can trust. But in terms of trusting somebody's character, for me, it's all about intention. It's all about what, what somebody's intentions are. And once I know that somebody's got good intentions, then great, that, that's wonderful. We, we're good to go. They could, they could say something that might be insulting to me and I, I wouldn't be offended at all because 
I know that their intentions aren't bad. It's just how X, Y, or Z person is and how, and how they communicate. So, yeah, I, I try to, there's that saying, isn't there, that, that we judge ourselves by our intentions and others by their actions. Well, I try almost to flip that in terms, in relation to other people and, and not necessarily judge people, but at least to determine whether I can trust them based on their intentions and understand more about what their intentions are rather than just the, the actions that, that might be taken at face value, which I don't necessarily understand what's behind that. How many times do we get it wrong when somebody does something? We just don't know, do we? We just don't necessarily know what, what their intentions are. So, so we have to dig a little bit deeper and, and get to know people. So in this said environment, you would still thrive. And I think it's because on the merit of your own strength, rather than the behavior of the people around you, because it's not that those people may or may not do wrong to you or by you. It's how you are perceiving those actions from them. So that's where that strength of your own character and your own confidence and identity comes into place because it's not that you as this emotional expressive being is now impervious to other people's actions. You are just taking them in and processing them differently. Would that be correct? Yeah, exactly, exactly. So just on that point of being impervious, being impervious in that respect means knowing who I am. Mm -hmm. Knowing who I am and then figuring out the, the terrain that I'm in also. And I just feel that, that self-knowledge and self-awareness is so fundamental I think it's inscribed on, on the side of the Delphi temple, know thyself. It's some of the, the oldest wisdom that we have, know thyself. And it, it's so important to, to really know ourselves and, and to be happy in our own skin. Because sometimes we, we get all the indicators about who we are and what we're, how we're wired up. And, and I am a very strong believer in, in personal development as well and improving and making progress. I'm not suggesting that we stay stuck in, in negative behaviors and negative thought patterns, but there is a fundamental coding there for each individual. Each individual is an individual at a very fundamental level. So once we, we understand our uniqueness, then it's about firstly accepting who we are, accepting that uniqueness, learning to embrace it, and then thriving in it. And, and this, is, this is a process. This, this takes time. This isn't stuff that's done over a weekend or on a weekend course. This is something that, that takes real continuous improvement and discovery and really understanding how we fit in with the rest of the world. Because once we figure out who we are and we really do embrace that and move forward, then we know how we can serve other people. Mm -hmm. and that is the key to sustainable success. Sustainable success is about being able to continuously serve people. If, if you think about the most successful individuals, you think about the most successful companies, they're the ones who served people the most consistently over a period of time. So it's about building that foundation. We're not, we're not being stuck in our own heads by knowing ourselves. Mm -hmm. What we're doing is we're building a foundation, brick by brick, layer by layer, line by line, we're building that foundation and the purpose, the end of that foundation is ultimately the contribution that we can make to others. So we started this conversation by me asking the question, 
does it make you a weenie if you cry? And thank <laughs> God the answer to that is no, no, it's not. And it, it took us into a conversation of how it does take some practice that yes. even though naturally we are born emotional beings, we are born that way. Somehow we are conditioned to very quickly shut that side off. Many of us. Yeah. So how do we recondition ourselves? Right. And, and you've said it, that it, it's, it's not a, a point in time exercise that you do. It mm. takes time. It takes repetition. It takes a commitment. Mm. So you've also talked about really big things of identifying who you are, then accepting who you are, and then building off of that. Yeah. Those are really, really big things. And yeah. it's, um, where do you start? How do you start this practice mm. of becoming and accepting your emotional being? There's something really simple that I would suggest for anybody who is wanting to connect with themselves. And for me, it's been about media in terms of what I put into my head. And when I was younger, I used to watch a lot of trash in terms of violent films. Mm -hmm. And it didn't do me any good. And, and when, you know, young men, are, in a lot of ways, we're conditioned to watch films about gangsters and, you know, horrible things and, and murders and war and everything else. Oh, so it's nothing in your DNA that makes you want to go see and do those things. Well, well the thing is, is that there is obviously people wired up differently. And mm -hmm. there are things about violence that are, that are appealing to people. Otherwise, mm -hmm. they wouldn't exist because they, give a, they, give a, they have a sensory impact on our brains. And I think what the challenge that we've got, again, it relates back to what I was saying earlier in relation to the distractions and the temptations. These things are distractions and they can help us to, well, cause us in some way to be desensitized from the more sensitive emotions. So everything becomes about strength, about toughness, in terms of destroying something else. So I think the first thing to do is, is turn that off. Things, things that are destructive or gratuitously violent, turn them off, stop watching them. Because although when I was a university student, I, I did watch a lot of gangster films, I don't, I don't really watch them anymore. If I do, it's extremely occasionally. And, 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 I, and I feel everything. I'm like, well, that was horrible. Mm. And, it, and it feels unnatural to me to, to watch these things now because I'm not used to it. I've become sensitive to those things again. And the other thing about media, on, on the other side, it's not just about taking out the trash, so to speak, but it's also about looking at things that, that really move you as well. I've cried in so many films. People, people ask the question, name, name a film that you've cried in. I've cried in loads because... <laughs> I get myself into that state. When I'm watching a mm -hmm. film, I like to get myself into that state and think about myself in the position of the character and really, really embrace that, embrace the humanity of these people. And it's also a great way to, to practice empathy as well, to really try and imagine yourself. What, what does it feel like being in a situation? And that, that's something that I picked up as well when I, when I was at university because I studied history. And when you're reading history, you have to empathize. You have to get into people's minds and think, well, why did he or she choose to do this? Why did they choose that particular approach? And so, so I think as well, 
yeah, take out the trash, the stuff that is is really desensitizing, the, the things that, that made you wince the first time you saw them. You don't need to be feeding your brain that stuff. It's, mm. it's rubbish and it's desensitizing you to the finer points of your emotions. And then the second thing I'd say is, is really when, you, when you're watching a film and you are there, be there, be present, be present. So if, you, if you're watching a film like The Color Purple, for example, which is highly, highly emotive, be there, be with those characters. Imagine that, that you are with those characters, that it's, it's you, that it's your family that these things are happening to and that you're in these situations and people will be surprised people will be surprised that they can open up that they can open up their hearts that they can open up their minds and that they can learn an awful lot as well so they're very simple things but they're things that can only have an outsized impact it, it sounds simple yeah stop watching these movies start watching these others instead very simple but environment is so important and the environment that we create in our homes is absolutely critical to whether we'll succeed or not but the environment that we create in here as well and what we're feeding our brains is so so important we live in such a world that is full of manipulation people are trying to manipulate us all the time whether it's for marketing purposes whether it's for political ends people with agendas and so we've really got to be on guard that we aren't allowing ourselves just to fall into the trap of, of drinking the kool-aid of whatever's shown up let's be more proactive about what we feed our brains and what emotions we actually want to connect to tom thank you so much for this conversation and for your time thank you aisha it's been a pleasure to be here thank you for having me I hope you enjoyed today's episode of A Story in a Chat with me, your host, Aisha Iqbal. Before signing off, though, I want to take a moment to reflect on this conversation and bring it back to my everyday. As a parent, this has me thinking about what I'm doing to ensure that my daughter is able to comfortably open up to the emotional being that she is and confidently show up in the world as someone who is in tune with who and how she is. Maybe the first place for me to explore is how I'm showing up in front of her and the language I'm using to communicate with her. So if I want her to be comfortable in her feelings, I will have to show her that I am in mine. The next time I start to cry in front of her and she asks me why, I won't brush it off by saying, oh, nothing's wrong, baby girl. I will explain why in the best way I can. The next time I lose my temper at her or in front of her, I will try to maintain some civility and explain to her why I need some time to calm down before re-engaging with her, then actually follow through on that. The next time she cries or gets angry, I will not dismiss her and instead ask her if she's okay. Whew, this all seems like a tall order, but what's right isn't always easy. Please tune in next time when I continue to explore this world of ours through the art of storytelling and discourse with other magnificent human beings. Until then, keep your mind clear and your heart open so you can hear your own truth. Also, if you've enjoyed any part of this conversation, please consider writing a review saying as much and share this out as a gift to others in your circles. Toodles!